What is up, my dudes? Welcome back to yet another episode of Olympia Oddities. So today, I'm going to be telling you about one of the most famous stuntmen to ever live. And while all of this story doesn't take place in the Pacific Northwest, a lot of the key events do, and the story is just so wild that I just had to go ahead and tell you guys about this guy's entire life. I was just going to do the Snake River jump, but the more I read, the more I was like, wow, I really need to just tell the whole story. So forgive me for it not just being Pacific Northwest based, but trust me, a lot does happen here. Today, I'm going to be telling you about the world record holder for the most bones broken in a lifetime, Evil Knievel. Robert Craig Knievel was born on October 17, 1938, in Butte, Montana. He was the first child, and his parents, Robert E. and Anne-Marie Coe Knievel, soon had another kid, their son Nicholas. In 1940, Robert and Anne-Marie divorced, and both of them decided to move away from Butte. Both boys moved in with their grandparents on their dad's side, Ignatius and Emma Knievel. When he was eight, the boy who would later become Evil Knievel attended an auto daredevil show featuring Joy Chitwood, he would, later go, uh, he would later say that going to this event as a kid is the thing that inspired him to set off on his career as a motorcycle daredevil. He would drop out of high school in his, senior, or his sophomore year and would begin working for the Anaconda Mining Company, operating a drill in a copper mine. He was promoted and his new work duties included driving a large earth mover. This was a short-lived career, though, because he was fired when he popped a wheelie on it and drove it straight into Butte's main power line, leaving the city without power for a few hours. Around this time, he competed in rodeos and ski jumping events. He did pretty well in ski jumping and won the Northern Rocky Mountain Ski Association Class A Men's Ski Jumping Championship in 1959. During the 50s, Knievel joined the Army and joined the track team, which I had no idea that the Army had a track team, as a um, pole vaulter. After his time in the army, he returned to Butte, where he would meet his first wife, Linda Joan Bork. I always think of that dog meme with the Bork. Okay, anyway, sorry. After the two were married, he started up a semi-pro hockey team called the Butte Bombers. He somehow managed to convince the Czechoslovakian uh, Olympic ice hockey team to play against the Bombers to help promote the team and to earn some money, but the whole thing was a hot mess. Knievel was ejected from the game just minutes into the third period and just up and left the stadium. When the Czechoslovakian officials went to the box office to collect the money that they were owed, they discovered that the game's receipts had been stolen. The United States Olympic Committee ended up paying the Czechoslovakian team's expenses to avoid an international incident. Knievel then tried out with the Charlotte Clippers in 1959, but soon decided that a life on a traveling team just wasn't for him. He and his wife had their first son, Kelly, and Knievel began brainstorming ways of bringing in some money. His grandfather had taught him fishing and hunting skills as a child, so he used those skills to open up Sure Kill Guide Service, which came with a guarantee of killing your desired game animal or you'd get refunded your money. In December of 1961, he uh, was moved when he heard of the culling of elk in Yellowstone, so he hitchhiked from Butte to Washington, D.C. to raise awareness of this issue and suggest that the elk be relocated to areas which hunting, or where hunting was permitted. He carried a 54-inch wide rack of elk antlers with him on this journey and a petition that had 3,000 signatures. Once in Washington, D.C., he presented his case to Representative Arnold Olson, Senator Mike Mansfield, and Interior Secretary Stuart Udall, in the late 60s, the culling of elk was finally stopped, 
Maybe because Evil Knievel decided to help. I don't know. After returning home from Washington, D.C., he joined a motocross circuit and was moderately successful, but still wasn't making enough money to support his family. In 1962, he broke his shoulder and collarbone, leaving him unable to race for six months. He switched to selling insurance for the Combined Insurance Company of America. He was a good insurance salesman, but ended up quitting when he was denied his request to be promoted to vice president of the company after only working there for a few months. The family decided to use this as a new start and moved to Moses Lake, Washington. In Moses Lake, Knievel opened a Honda motorship dealership, motorcycle dealership, and worked to promote motocross racing. His Honda dealership would eventually close, and he would go to work for Don Pomeroy at his motorcycle shop in Sunnyside, Washington. It was there that Knievel learned how to do a wheelie and ride while standing on the seat of a bike from Pomeroy's son, Jim. Recalling the Joy Chitwood show he had seen in his youth, Knievel decided to become a motorcycle stuntman. For his first show, he did all the promotion, wrote the press releases, rented the venue, set up the equipment, sold his own tickets, and was his own MC. He had drawn a small crowd, and he warmed them up with doing a few wheelies on his Honda 250, before moving on to his finale, jumping a 20-foot-long box filled with rattlesnakes and two mountain lions. He landed a little short, and his back tire hit the snake-filled box, but he managed to land safely. He realized that if he wanted to be successful, he was going to need to focus on the motorcycle riding and not trying to do everything himself, so he set off in search of a sponsorship. He eventually found one in Bob Blair. Bob offered to provide the motorcycles needed for the events, but wanted to change the name from Bobby Knievel and his motorcycle Daredevil's Thrill Show, which is a mouthful and a half, to Evil Knievel and his motorcycle Daredevils. Concerned that he would be affiliated with the Hells Angels, he settled on evil with an E instead of an I. On January 3rd, 1966, the show premiered and was a massive success. They received multiple offers after the event from venues wanting to put on shows of their own. Evil's next performance was on February 10th in Barstow, California. During this performance, he was to debut a new stunt that involved him jumping spread eagle over a speeding motorcycle. He miscalculated and jumped too late, and the motorcycle crashed into him, smashing him in the groin and sending him flying 15 feet through the air. His injuries were so severe that he had to be hospitalized. After his release, he returned back to Barstow almost a month later to finish his performance. His motorcycle show crew had broken up during his recovery from these injuries, so he hit the road again, this time as a solo act. To one-up the other stunt riders who were also jumping pools of animals or water, Evil decided that he would start jumping over cars. He started including this stunt into his performances, adding more and more cars each time in hopes of bringing people who had already seen his show back once again. On June 19th, in Missoula, Montana, he attempted to jump 12 cars and a cargo van. A too short takeoff distance prevented him from getting the speed necessary to clear the jump, and his back wheel hit the top of a cargo van while his front wheel hit the top of the landing ramp. He ended up back in the hospital, this time with a severely broken arm and some broken ribs. He recovered, and on March 25, 1967, Knievel cleared 15 cars in Ascot Park in Gardena, California. He then set off to pull the same stunt again, this time in front of a crowd in Graham, Washington. Look, I told you we'd get there. His motorcycle landed on the last vehicle, and Evil was thrown from his bike. The result of this accident was a major concussion. After about a month, Evil had recovered enough to return to Graham to reattempt the stunt, 
Unfortunately and kind of amazingly, he landed short again, breaking his left wrist, right knee, and two ribs. The next year, he would achieve his first exposure on national television when he appeared on the March 18th episode of ABC's The Joey Bishop Show. In November of 1967, he would travel to Las Vegas to watch the boxer Dick Tiger fight. Dick Tiger. I'm still not over that name. It was on this trip that he saw the fountains at Caesar's Palace and decided that he was going to jump them. In order to pull this off, Evil created a fake business called Evil Knievel Enterprises and made up three different fake lawyer identities. He used these identities to make phone calls to the casino's CEO, Jay Sarno. He also called Sarno pretending to be from ABC Sports and Sports Illustrated, inquiring about the jump. This bizarre strategy ended up working, and they met up and decided together that Evil Knievel would jump the fountains on December 31st, 1967. Evil contacted ABC Sports and tried to get them to broadcast the event. They turned him down, but said that if he recorded it and it lived up to the spectacle that he was selling it as, that they would buy it to him and air it. Evil chose actor and director John Derrick to produce a film of the event, and to keep costs low, he employed his wife, Linda Evans, who you might remember from my Ramtha episode as being a former RSC student, to film The Jump. It's our very first crossover. I was so happy when I realized that. I was like, oh, hey, look at that. We got a Ramtha Evil Knievel crossover moment happening right now. On the morning of what would be the longest jump that he would attempt yet at 141 feet, Knievel stopped in the casino, immediately lost his last $100 on a blackjack game, had a shot of wild turkey, and headed outside accompanied by casino staff and several showgirls. He ran through his warm-up stunts and then made his approach to the jump. As he hit, the, hit his takeoff ramp, he felt his bike rapidly decelerate and his bike ended up landing short once again. The handlebars were ripped from his hands and he was sent crashing and rolling before finally skidding to a stop in the dunes parking lot. He suffered a crushed pelvis and femur, fractures to his hip, wrist, and both ankles, and a concussion. After this crash and his recovery, though, Evil was more famous than ever. ABC ended up buying the rights to the film and ended up paying way more than they would have if they had just taken the original deal to air the jump live. After this crash, Evil also claimed that he had become uninsurable, uninsurable, and that he had been turned down 37 times by one particular company, saying that, I have trouble getting life insurance, accident insurance, hospitalization, and even insurance for my automobile. Lloyds of London has rejected me 37 times, so if you hear the rumor that they insure anybody, don't pay too much attention to it. Deciding that he needed to up the ante once more, Evil decided on his next stunt. He was going to jump the Grand Canyon. During a 1968 interview, Knievel stated, I don't care if they say, look kid, you're going to drive that thing off the edge of the canyon and die. I'm going to do it. I want to be the first. If they'd let me go to the moon, I'd crawl all the way to Cape Kennedy just to do it. I'd like to go to the moon, but I don't want to be the second man to go there. Just five months after his disastrous wreck in Las Vegas, he was back to performing. On May 25, 1968, in Scottsdale, Arizona, Knievel crashed while attempting to jump 15 Ford Mustangs. His right leg and foot were broken in this wreck. On August 3rd, he was once again back to performing, earning about $25,000 per performance and jumping successfully on a weekly basis. This carried on until October 13th, when in Carson City, Nevada, he once again lost control of his bike and broke his hip again. 
1971, Evil had finally realized that there was no way that the U.S. government was going to allow him to jump the Grand Canyon. He had been through years of negotiations with them, and even had several concept bikes designed, but they repeatedly denied him access to the airspace over the canyon. He began brainstorming other ideas for stunts, ideas like jumping across the Mississippi River, jumping from one skyscraper to another in New York City, and jumping over 13 cars inside the Houston Astrodome. He would officially decide on his next big stunt while in a plane over Idaho, returning from a tour back to Butte. He had spotted the Snake River Canyon from the sky, and after doing some looking into it, discovered that it was wide and deep enough to thrill the crowds, but also on private property. He paid $35,000 in order to lease 300 acres to be the site of his jump. The date for the jump was planned for Labor Day, September 4, 1972. On January 7th and 8th, 1971, Knievel broke a record by selling over 100,000 tickets to back-to-back performances at the Houston Astrodome. On February 28th, he set a new world record by jumping 19 cars on his Harley-Davidson XR750 at the Ontario Motor Speedway in Ontario, California. This jump was filmed for the movie Evil Knievel. This record was held by Evil for 27 years, until it was broken by Bubba Blackwell in 1998 when he jumped 20 cars. The record was then broken again in 2015 by Doug Danger, who jumped 22 cars on Evil Knievel's actual vintage 1972 Harley-Davidson XR750. On May 10th, Evil would crash once again. This time he was attempting to jump 13 Pepsi delivery trucks. He had a weird approach when he began on the pavement. Oh, he had a weird approach where he began on pavement and then had to ride onto grass and then pavement again on his approach to the jump. He was unable to get up to the speed he needed, and the motorcycle came down front wheel first. He held onto the bike as it slid down the base of the ramp, where he was thrown from it, and skidded 50 feet. He broke his collarbone, his right arm suffered a compound fracture, and he broke both of his legs. On March 3, 1972, at the Cow Palace in Daly City, California, he made a successful jump but had to pull up his bike to a quick stop because of a short landing area. He was thrown off and then run over by his own motorcycle, giving him yet another concussion and breaking his back. In the build-up to the Snake River Canyon jump, he once again tried to negotiate with ABC's World of Sports to have them air the event, but they were unwilling to pay the amount he wanted. Instead, boxing promoter Bob Arum's company, Top Rank Productions, took over the job of airing it on TV and in movie theaters. He hired Doug Malawicki, a subcontractor and aeronautical engineer, to help him build a bike for the jump. They developed a rocket-powered motorcycle that they named the SkyCycle X1. They did a test launch of the bike on April 15, 1972, um, and then decided to build another bike, the SkyCycle X2, and have the second bike take off and fly more like a rocket than a motorcycle. The X-2 actually ended up being registered as an aircraft instead of a motorcycle by the state of Idaho. In November of 1973, he returned to performing once again, successfully jumping over 50 stacked cars at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. He would hold the record for jumping the most stacked cars on a Harley-Davidson XR750 for 35 years until it was broken in 2008. This motorcycle is now part of the Smithsonian's collection and weighs almost 300 pounds. At 3.36 p.m. September 8, 1974, Evil Knievel would finally make his attempt at jumping the Snake River Canyon. The launch took place from the south rim of the canyon. Evil's parachute prematurely deployed as he launched, causing a lot of drag. 
Though he did make it to the other side, the wind and the parachute being deployed caused the sky cycle to drift back into the canyon. Evil and his bike fell to the bottom of the canyon, where they landed just a few feet away from the water on the launch site side of the canyon. His harness had also malfunctioned, leaving him stuck strapped into the vehicle. He said that if he had landed just a few feet over in the water, he would have likely drowned. Luckily, he only had minor physical injuries as the result of this failed jump. He did several performances after this that were televised by ABC until May 26, 1975, when he broke his pelvis after crashing during a failed attempt to jump 13 buses. Over 90,000 people were present in the stadium that day, and Evil addressed them after the crash, announcing, Ladies and gentlemen of this wonderful country, I've got to tell you that you are the last people in the world who will ever see me jump because I will never, ever, ever jump again. I'm through. Though he was urged to use a stretcher, Evil walked out of the stadium despite his broken pelvis, saying that I came in walking, I went out walking. This retirement was short-lived, though, and after he recuperated from his injuries, he jumped 14 Greyhound buses, setting another world record on October 25th. This was his longest ever successful jump at 133 feet. The event achieved the highest viewer, viewer ratings that ABC's Wide World of Sports ever had. He announced his retirement again after this jump and then changed his mind again, deciding to return to performing but doing shorter jumps. On October 31, 1976, he jumped seven buses at the Seattle Kingdom. The jump was a success, but he felt that it wasn't his best performance and he apologized to the crowd. He was then scheduled for a Jaws-inspired jump to take place on January 31, 1977. The jump was to take place in Chicago, and he was, to, he was set to jump a tank of live sharks for a nationally televised event. During the rehearsal, Evil lost control over his bike, running into a cameraman. Knievel broke both of his arms, but he was more distraught over what he claimed was a permanent eye injury the cameraman suffered. The cameraman, Thomas Guerin, was admitted to the hospital and received treatment for an injury near his eye, but received no permanent injury. So I don't really know what happened there. Evil thinks that he thought that he permanently injured this guy, but that guy said that he had no permanent in injury. Just kind of a weird little detail in there. After this, Evil Knievel retired from major performances and turned his focus to his son Robbie and his stuntman career that he was starting. Shortly after the wreck in Chicago, the promoter for the Snake River Canyon Jump, Shelley Saltman, released the book Evil Knievel on Tour. The book alleged that Knievel abused his wife and kids and took drug drugs despite him starting every performance with an anti-drug message to the audience. Knievel then flew to California with both of his arms still in casts to confront Saltman, who was now working as vice president at 20th Century Fox. Evil and a friend, a friend confronted him outside the studio's commissary, uh, and then his friend grabbed him and held him while Knievel swung at him with an aluminum baseball bat. He was aiming for his head, but Saltman was able to deflect the blows with his arm, which along with his wrist were shattered in several places before he fell to the ground unconscious. Saltman required numerous surgeries and metal plates in his arm in order to regain the use of his arm. Saltman's book was then withdrawn by the publisher when Knievel threatened to sue him over it. Later in court, it was proven that Knievel and his lawyers had been given editorial access to the book and had given the go-ahead for it to be pu published as it was. Knievel pleaded guilty to battery on October 14, 1977, and was sentenced to three years probation and six months in county jail. Knievel lost his marketing endorsements and deals, including Harley-Davidson. Harley 
However, he didn't scale back his spending habits and ended up declaring bankruptcy. He briefly traveled around the country in an RV, selling art that he had allegedly painted. In 1981, Saltman was awawarded a $13 million settlement er, judgment against Knievel in a civil trial, but he never received any money from either Knievel or Knievel's estate. Evil Knievel's last stunt show took place in March 1980 in Puerto Rico. He then toured with his son Robbie for a while, but only had a speaking role in those shows. His last appearance on these tours was in March 1981 in Hollywood, Florida. In the 90s, interest in evil was reignited again, and he once again did marketing campaigns for businesses like Little Caesars and Harley-Davidson. In the late 90s, he was also facing some pretty serious health conditions. He needed a liver transplant due to the long-term effects of hepatitis C, which he had contracted from one of the numerous blood infusions required after his many wrecks. In February of 1999, he was given just a few days to live and had requested to leave the hospital so he could die at home. On his way to his house, he received a call that he would be receiving a donor organ. A young man, who had died in a motorcycle accident of all things, was the donor and Knievel underwent surgery just a few days later. Linda and Evil separated in the early 1990s and were divorced in 1997. In 1999, Knievel married his girlfriend Crystal Kennedy of Clearwater, Florida, who he had begun dating in 1992. Their wedding was held on November 19, 1999, on a special platform built on the fountains at Caesars Palace on the Las Vegas Strip, the site of Evil's disastrous jump on New Year's Eve 1967. He was also inducted into the Motorcycle Hall of Fame this year. They were married for two years, then divorced in 2002. Crystal was granted a restraining order against him, but they ended up getting back together again. In 2005, Knievel was diagnosed with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, which is an incurable and terminal lung disease. This required him to be on oxygen 24 hours a day. The next year, he had an internal morphine pain pump surgically implanted to help him with the excruciating pain in his deteriorated lower back, which was the result the result of the numerous wrecks that he was in. He holds the record for most bones broken in a lifetime with the Guinness Book of World Records, who claimed that he had as many as 433 bone fractures. This number might be an exaggeration, though, as his son Robbie claimed that he broke 40 to 50 in 2015, and Knievel himself claimed that he broke 35. Evil Knievel died in Clearwater, Florida on November 30, 2007, age 69. A longtime friend reported that Knievel had trouble breathing while at his residence in Clearwater, but died on the way to the hospital. The friend said, It's been coming for years, but you just don't expect it. Superman just doesn't die, right? In one of his last interviews, Knievel told Maxim Magazine, You can't ask a guy like me why I performed. I really wanted to fly through the air. I was a daredevil, a performer. I loved the thrill, the money, the whole macho thing. All those things made me evil Knievel. Sure, I was scared. You gotta be an ass to not be scared. But I beat the hell out of death. You're in the air for four seconds. You're part of the machine. And if you then if you make a mistake midair, you say to yourself, Oh boy, I'm gonna crash. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. Not at all. Thank you for listening to another episode of Olympia Oddities. If you want to support the podcast, follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Olympia Oddities Podcast. Leave me a positive review or tell a friend. Um, Until next time, friends, and remember to wear a helmet, folks.